Thanks, Dave. I'll go away, mate. Yeah, cheers. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Floorhammer podcast, the light take on the grim dark. I'm David Pettit and I'm joined by the man who has once eHarmony profile matched against an Admech Servitor. <laughs> it's Richard O'Keefe. Hey Rich. Hey Dave, that's a very creative insult. Yeah. Good work. <laughs> As always, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Floorhammer podcast, our website floorhammerpodcast.com and our Instagram at floorhammer underscore podcast. So how have you been, Rich? I've been good. I've been good. Shock horror for the first time this year. Got some gaming in. Yes. We had a blast playing Kill Team, which we'll talk about later. Yep. And I got a game of 40k in as well. So I know, you I'm on catch up. have been busy. Uh, I have actually got one booked in uh, at the start of June. Oh, very good. Yes. So uh, we, we are getting back on the bandwagon. And trying to play some games for this 40k podcast. Yeah, trying to remember how to play. It, yeah. was, it, was, it, was, a, it was a challenge. We were, we were losing our touch. Some would say we'd lost our touch. <laughs> Some would say that a long time ago. <laughs> if, if there was a bird's eye view of our game, they would definitely agree. <laughs> we'd lost our touch. I think so. And for the second show in a row, Dave, you've actually got hobby progress to talk about as well, which is going to be good. I do. Yeah. Well, I haven't really got an excuse now that the nursery's done, so I... <laughs> you need a few more weeks to conjure up something uh, something to cover your back. Our game actually was a good motivator to get stuff done. Yeah, no, it was the same for me as well. I'm going to talk some GW releases because uh, it's Slanesh time. Yes. They've brought out, what, the third? Are we on to the third god now? Because I haven't really done corn redone corn recently have they it is some stuff for age of sigma before with the blades of corn book and like the little end of spells and stuff i just mm. don't think they have a terrain piece but uh, they might do actually yeah well but either way either way it's it's the third chaos god that's come out after nurgle and zinch so that stuff looks pretty neat it does, and we've got a slew of topics to cover. Dave's already alluded to us talking about our, our first impressions of playing Kill Team, which was awesome fun. Uh, we got a little bit of a preview of what might go down at Warhammer Fest. Oh, yeah. And that is next week. It is, yes. It's shockingly close now. Mm. And thankfully this week, we actually pushed the show recording back by one day, which just allowed us enough time to actually digest the FAQ that got released on the Monday. Yeah, that came out, what, last night? So yes. we've had a whole day to... Read it, digest it, listen to the chef, and uh, <laughs> and uh, well, yeah, we'll regurgitate some of that info for you. Yep, and then round it all off with a hobby tip as usual. So, before we get on to actually talking about hobby progress, we've got a couple of show news items to go through. We do indeed. Do you want to kick us off with the giveaway? Yes. One of our listeners, Axel, uh, has very, very generously sent some um, hobby kits uh, to us for us to quote use as we see fit so we didn't really want to sell them on the black market it wasn't wasn't quite our game (laughs) so dave and i had a good chat about what we should do with them and we thought it'd be really awesome to give some of the stuff away to you guys as a thank you for listening to the show so rather than do a promotional giveaway outside of the show where you know word spreads on a social media um we will do that but rather than that being our first thing to do because somebody else we don't know might might end up with some of the some of the rewards we wanted to give the first reward to you guys that are listening so 
It's a mystery prize. It's Games Workshop, 40k related, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. It's not the, a lock of Dave's gonna, hair. No, it's not going to be some questionable package turning up at your door. <laughs> no. Um, what I'd like you to do is send an email to floorhammerpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Put giveaway in the subject title. And uh, what we'll do is by the next show, we will pick randomly uh, one of the people who emails us as a, as a winner of the prize and, and get in touch. Yeah, once again, that's floorhammerpodcast at gmail.com. And if you put giveaway as the subject, and uh, we'll pick a winner at random. Yep. And also, we kind of alluded to this in our one-year episode. Uh, We've had a bit of a rebrand, which basically means Dave and I paid somebody to do the logo properly, because Dave's MS Paint skills are not the sharpest. Jim will paint it, you are not. Some would say it was on point, as the kids say. Uh, I would say that it was on point, but Rich wasn't happy with it and told me to change it. <laughs> That's not true. I told you to give me hair. No. Um, a friend of ours, Nick Bennett, I'm, who... Uh, worked in MS Paint, not a miracle worker. <laughs> uh, a friend of ours, Nick Bennett, who's a professional graphics designer. Um, we paid him to do the logo for us, and he's done a bang-up job. It will be out on our Instagram and Facebook page and website when this episode comes out. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're really pleased with it. So uh, we'll put up a link to, to where you can get in touch with Nick as well, um, because he's done, he's done a fantastic job. And that leads us nicely onto us having put that logo onto T-shirts. T-shirts and various other merchandise, actually. Yes. Um, so we have been onto teespring.com, and we have our own Floorhammer podcast store. So you can put the logo onto anything you like, baseball hoodies, hoodies, uh, more hoodies, sweatshirts, uh, sweatshirts with hoods. <laughs> <laughs> you run out of creativity now. Yeah, the, well, there's a few things. There's, there's loads of stuff, actually. There's, there's quite a few options. That mugs and baby grows. And <laughs> I think baby grows is pushing it, but you can get mugs. So I, I put a few items up there. Um, a couple of listeners over months, actually, have, have been in touch saying, why don't you get your act together and, and put your logo on some stuff? As I mentioned, the logo didn't really look good when you put it on a, on a clothing item, but now that we've got professionally made logos, uh, they, they look a lot better. And yeah, Dave and I'll be uh, sporting some merch. Yeah, it's pretty good. So it's still got our heads incorporated into the design, but there is also uh, the banner for the Floorhammer podcast underneath it, and that on some merchandise looks amazing. Yep, and also one more thing to cover. We have also, uh, under listener advice, uh, started a Patreon. This is just to help us with basically upgrading some of our tech and paying for our web hosting fees um we're not going to bang on about it every week because that's just not really our style so we'll, we'll mention it now and, and and leave it at that it's patreon.com forward slash floorhammer um if anybody's interested we'll throw all these links up online so you don't have to uh, remember it and jot it down yeah because it's uh, 2019 and nobody wants to actually type an address into a web browser that's that's, pen, that's pen so pencil that's all <laughs> Quick, take down some notes, everyone. And the last news item, um, a brief update on the Tanks for Frank project that we mentioned we started months ago. We launched it online, unfortunately, after our last recording, so we couldn't really mention it uh, at the time. We've done it all on social media at the moment. Uh, we had to get jumped through some legal loopholes in order to uh, actually be able to run an online lottery, but we are now fully licensed. And we launched it uh, two weeks ago, and we've already hit 93% of our targets, and we've got until the end of May to still run. That's that's the uh, extended target. Smashed through the, what was it, £1,000 target? £1,000 target went in the first 24 hours thanks to the amazing generosity of everybody in the uh, community, which has been awesome, the response level. It's a big shout out to everyone who shared it and messaged people around the community and and put it on various Facebook pages as well. Yeah, it's been an amazing response. Um, And now more reinforcements rolling in. Uh, There's a lot of the Lehman Russes have been finished and painted. 
and uh, the two people working on the super heavies are uh, under the crack of the whip to get it done. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, they're adding a shadow sword and a bane blade as well, which is going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, there's some good work in progress shots, so they are coming along nicely. Yeah, speaking of work in progress, Dave, uh, do you want to get on to your bit? Very nice segue. Yes, so as I alluded to earlier, uh, I finished off some models for our Kill Team game. So I had Janus Drake that I spoke about last episode. He- Drake? Drake. Shut up. <laughs> Let's just- Janus Drake. There we go, James Drake. He was the leader of my Kill Team. He- I counted him as a uh, Tempestor. Or a Tempestal Prime. Not uh, the Prime, though, right? What's the squad leader called? Well, Tempestal. Just, just Tempestal? Yeah. Okay. Tem- yeah, so he is a Tempestal, albeit a very, very fancy Tempestal. Right. Uh, so I finished him off. Um, I just needed to do a few things on his on the fur pelt that he's wearing around his shoulders. And uh, just painted up the rim because it was still had a bit of airbrush paint on it. Yes, yeah, so he was finished off. Uh, and that was my full kill team our game. So does that mean I could have actually snuck in and done the Gene Steeler Colts in like the two week period without realising that uh, you hadn't officially finished your kill team? I hadn't officially finished oh. the kill team, but he was ready for our game, which was in the first week of... Yeah, mate, there was no period. way I was going to hash paint those out in like two days. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> um, so we tried a few things out. Well, we'll go over it when we get to that section. We tried a few things out. I tried a few different uh, models out namely their sort of heavy weapon options. Yeah, that's great. And uh, without alluding to any spoilers, I have now converted up a sniper Scion. Ooh. <laughs> yes, so I used various bits, uh, thanks to yourself, actually. Yep. Uh, so I've got what, Imperial Heavy Weapons Gunner kneeling legs, uh, the actual top half of a Scion, um, as well as binoculars from... Again, the heavy weapon. I think it's from the heavy weapon sprue for guard, mm. yeah. And uh, it comes with a, an Admex Skitari head. So it's basically on the theme of the Killzone pay, uh, PlayStation series. But uh, I also found a sniper rifle from a Space Marines. It's a Scout sprue. The Scout sprue has a spare sniper rifle on it. Yeah, I think I think that was the right one. Yeah, with the with the big silencer on the end. Yeah, so he's actually got the sniper rifle slung over his back, um, and he's actually sort. of He's looked through the binoculars and he's speaking into uh, all the signs have the little intercom thing on there. Their little wrists. bracelet things are really cool, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, so it looks like he's talking into that as in he's just spotted someone. Looks like wearing pit boys. Yeah, exactly like that. Uh, so mine are sort of orange and luminous. So he's speaking into that and obviously relay and targets to the commander. Uh, it was just a lot easier than trying to find uh, a sniper rifle and then cutting off various bits to actually make it look like he's firing it. Yeah, and most of the guard models that come with like sniper rifles and stuff have got their hands on them and trying to get hands off of a weapon never ends well. I've tried it a couple of times it's been a disaster every time. Yeah, so I went full on into this, and I even cut away the hand, leaving the hand guard on one of the Scion uh, arms and stuck another hand on there, just so he's oh, got so a crunched fist, nice, so he looks like he's nice. talking into the intercom. Um, yeah, I, I shouldn't really do that, because it took me a long time. <laughs> See, but it looks cool. I'm that up one model. It's for Kill Team, though, so each model is an individual, and that, that was what I was going for, and I... In my eyes, I've been able to uh, 
put it out on the table. If you're going to go conversion heavy, Kill Team's just awesome for that because you only need like 10 models or whatever and you can put a lot of character into them. And, and you can see this guy is the sniper specialist. Not only does he have a sniper rifle, but he's, you know, he's doing all the prep work. He's got the binoculars. Like, it's way more than just dude with sniper rifle. Yeah, and Scions can't actually take snipers. So they have to use the Imperial Guard specialist uh, weapons or support weapons guy from the uh, Kill Team roster. So the fact that he's got like a lighter version of the armor on, so he's not fully kitted out like a normal Scion, mm-hmm. actually benefits it and it makes it, it makes him look different, albeit he's got a different head, like a cloaked head, but um, it actually sets him apart from the others. Well, yeah, he's not wearing a helmet, he's not wearing the leg plates and the, and the heavy boots, which represents the fact he's got a five up save instead of a four up. Exactly. Perfect. And yeah, I, I really liked him in the games that we played. And uh, yeah, I just, I just had to convert one up. But there are four other silence you get in that box set for the, uh, the actual kill team box. So I built those up with uh, different heavy weapons actually just okay. so I have all the options for kill team so if I want a flamer I can use a flamer and if I want a grenade launcher I can use the grenade launcher oh that's good to be good for kill team that's cool yeah yeah oh, <laughs> your frag cannons are ridiculous <laughs> we'll get on to that <laughs> Jesus uh, but they are built into my Scion's 1500 point list right so I wasn't just uh, making them willy nilly I know where they're going to go into my list, and I knew I was going to use them for Kill Team. So that's all I did. However, I I wanted to get around to attempting to finish off the Valkyrie slash continue with the Valkyrie. All right, yeah. I just didn't really get the motivation. So unfortunately, I've lost my permanent desk to the arriving baby. Yeah. So I don't have a, a permanent desk. I don't have a permanent fixture. So I have to get out everything all at once, like the, the airbrush and the compressor and the exact, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I just didn't really have the motivation to do the Valkyrie. I had the motivation to do the Kill Team guys because we had a game. Yeah. I just uh, need a bit of uh, time, more than a sort of one or two hour slot to really sort of bash out the Valkyrie. What we need is a hobby afternoon. mm we both. I've got some airbrushing to do as well that I really am putting off and putting off. Maybe we just sit down for a couple of hours at mine, do an airbrushing session, and get a load of stuff sprayed up. It might be worth thinking about. It's not a bad idea. We did that before, actually. And yeah, it really helps. But yeah, that, that's uh, that's what I've done over the last couple of weeks. What have you been up to? Well, as we mentioned on the last episode, I was uh, at that point knee deep, neck deep. In terrain phase three, um, my hobby room looked like a bomb had gone off in it, literally. <laughs> there was so many things everywhere, it wasn't even funny. Uh, and we had that game coming up, um, and I had the game I booked in versus Tim coming up. Um, so I really had to buck my ideas up and tidy that room up. I think I did it at literally the last minute. It was like Good Friday, and I was panic, panic tidying. <laughs> took, took quite a while, but I finished the terrain stage three, so... All the vi- all the buildings are now based with the rubble mix that I mentioned before. Yep, They're and all... it makes it it just makes that world of difference. Not having just a building and pavement. Yeah, it really blends everything together. Um, I've covered up a few mistakes, which is what it's great for. Yeah. Um, used loads of the scatter that I'd said I'd prepped, like the barrels, the ammo crates, and on all the sandbags, etc., to kind of create little scenes, like little sniper nests and defensive lines and things like that, to kind of add a little bit more realism to it follow my own advice and put a bunch more posters up look awesome yeah overall it's come out really good and i'm really happy with it and it's it just puts a lot more character into it it looks a lot more like a war zone rather than just some wrecked buildings it was a brilliant picture up on instagram actually one of our listeners sent us 
uh, a picture of their sort of posters they did for Necromunda using your technique you mentioned in the last episode and it looked awesome. Yeah, it was a guy listening to a show called Paul, friend of mine, and he actually did also did graffiti, which was really clever. So mm. he printed it out using a custom graffiti making thing where you type it in and it turns it into looking like graffiti. Nice. Uh, for like his uh, Necromunda gang. Mm. And then cut out the graffiti as close as he could to the words followed the poster tutorial and then just blended the edges in with the terrain the, the metallic terrain that it was on and it looks brilliant i'm gonna totally steal that idea oh yeah yeah i think uh, i think you need a few desecrated walls walls in your town yeah i need to i need to work out on the orky the orky theme don't i to, yes. to, really, to really drive home the previous games we've had maybe not always graffiti as well smeared yeah. on the wall yeah yeah Right, moving on from the terrain, um, I also got the knights done. So this was under the same pressure as you had of upcoming game. I wanted to roll out the knights against Tim. Unfortunately, without legs, that's all they were going to do, roll down the... <laughs> oh, you're so funny. I forced myself to do the gold trim at the end and then all the detailing. Um, got everything glued together. Mm-hmm. Um, and now all I have to do is make the bases. Cause I temporarily glued them onto their base that they come with from GW but even if you texture it up I don't think it's going to look quite good enough so I'll cover it in my hobby tips I'm making my own bases that are Ooh. going to be the Sector Mechanicus textured bases oh right so you're just going to sort of extend ones before or are you going to make your actually make your own yeah I'm going to make the well, I'm going to add the add back detailing to the base because they don't come in that size no um, and my marines death watch Grey Knights, that was the other one I'm trying to think of, are uh, <laughs> all based on the same GW Sector Mechanicus basings, um, or bases, so I want to make sure it looks the same. Yep. Also goes with the town as well, being a Sector Mechanicus town. Or yes. City, it, city yeah. I should say. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it ties, it tie, ties in with the board quite nicely. It's got a cathedral, so it must be a city. <laughs> it must be. That's how it works. <laughs> also, I started working on the last couple of items for my um, Death Guard, mm-hmm. because completing the Knights is number one on the things I said I would finish this year before starting anything too new. Nice. So tick nights done off my list. Next, Death Guard. I've got the two Mythetic Blight Haulers that I've um, put together and the dude with the spurt gun. I can't remember what he's called, but he's the one with the horrendously effective flamer. Dude with spurt gun works. Right, he is called the Foul Blight Spawn. Thank you uh, Battlescribe. So yes, he's the guy with the very unpleasant flamer. He was Easy as pie to build. I didn't notice until actually building the kit. He's got the—he's the one with the kind of wing-shaped racks that come off of his back. All of those racks, despite the fact this is a forty-first millennium, contain little jingle-jangling bottles and vials and like really old-school fantasy-style little glass bottles of random concoctions of poisons and stuff. Nice. Is he usable in fantasy, or is he actually no? A he's space he's straight up forty k. Okay, but he just has that kind of fantasy tie-in look with him. And he also came with the Mephetic Blight Haulers that are the ones that came with the Conquest magazine that I picked up secondhand. They are the easy-to-build Blight Haulers. And I'm doing massive air quotes with my fingers here because they were anything but bloody (laughs) easy-to-build. They should be because they come on the kit with numbered parts. And not only the parts numbered, but the easy-to-build ones... You can't do numbers. Thank you, David. I've got my son Ooh. to help me. He can count, he can count past ten. Um, I got a, I got a full name. Got, <laughs> that's when you know you're in trouble. I heard your wife talk to you before. <laughs> I think my wife and my mum call me Dave. <laughs> so I, I, I go by both. If everyone sees me in the street, okay. <laughs> I um, I didn't enjoy putting them together. Uh, they're cool models, but the Easter Build kit is numbered, and you assemble them in number order as well, which is very clever. Except. 
they go together like a piece of art. So I was is that, not. Is, is that easy or? <laughs> no, it's not. Right. <laughs> I was very unimpressed. They're done now, and they look cool now that they're done. But they were they were not easy to build. Right. And the last thing I've been doing over the last couple of weeks is some hobby time with my son. I've been kind of on the slow burn with him, as I've mentioned a lot of times. He's kind of picking up the interest now. It's, it's working. It's working. Lots, um, lots of Emperor Palpatine gifts yes, uh, throughout our group. Good. <laughs> um, good. Our friend Ian uh, donated the Primaris models that came with the Conquest magazine. Okay. Um, easy to build. They are easy to build. Yeah. They were very easy to build. And he sort of had a bit of fun putting those together using the clippers carefully. And he learnt, you know, to clip them sideways next to the model. It was very the, good. The flat edge next to the, yeah. The flat edge next to the model, yeah. Nice. And we didn't do mould line removal because that's a bit too much. Um, but we started with this. And if, I mean, in fairness, I didn't do mould line removal for, for a good year. That's fair enough. Um, <laughs> but shout out to GW for the design. You don't have to take the mould lines off for them to actually go together well. So the mould mold lines and joints and clipping points are all placed in places where they won't interfere with how the model goes together. It won't nice. look good, nice. but... It, it doesn't cause a problem, which is brilliant. I mean, that's the good thing about the Conquest models. They were built with new users in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can tell. And also, kind of another nod to GW is we were playing a game um, and he could pick out who all the characters were, as in who the leaders were. He calls them bosses. I think Standard still, video still game bit, generation. Yeah, a little bit of, a little bit of orkiness creeping in there. Um <laughs> But he could pick them all out from their design elements. Now, some of them are obvious, like my Ultramarine ones have the big plumed helmets. So mm-hmm. It's clear that they stand out. But Voldus was the one he picked out from my Grey Knights as the boss, which I thought was interesting because... He's not even bareheaded. No, I've done him with a helmet. So the only difference is his posing, and I think, I think he's got a cape. So well, oh, being, yeah, cape, capes we all know are... But without bosses. being told, he managed to pick that out. And then also, we were in the GW store chatting to, to the store manager, and he was asking me, like, oh, Dad, what one? Are these the good guys or are these the bad guys? And he's like, the Stormcast Eternals. And I was like, well, what do you think? And he's like, oh, they're the good guys. And I was like, ah. and then I just asked him, like, well, what do you think these guys are, like the, the corn demon kin or whatever they are? And he's like, well, they're the bad guys. And we went through like 10 different uh factions and you could pick exactly who were the and i say air quotes good guys and bad guys because that's debatable in any of games <laughs> workshop systems but who were supposed to be the good guys and the bad guys and you could uh, go through and pick them all out just from the visual art on the uh, on the battle times that's that's kudos to the game designers cause... yeah that's what me and the manager were saying like brilliant brilliant dob the you know an, a five-year-old who doesn't really know the game systems that well could go through and pick out from the colours and the styles and the and the, the facial expressions, spikes and teeth, yeah. Yeah, who who was good and who was bad? So well, well done, G Dubs. Nice, nice. Right, speaking of GW products, let's get on to talking about the releases. Right, so we are going to play a little game because it is uh, Slanesh release time, and uh, of course we've made our show notes as we always as we always do, and we mentioned before, Dave hasn't actually taken the time to look what all the Slanesh items actually are called he's seen the pictures so <laughs> i'm gonna say the name i've seen i've seen the names i've seen the pictures i just haven't done the lines between the two so let's let's see if you can get these right so let's right. start with something super super easy mm-hmm. they released the keeper of secrets so the keeper of secrets is the big chaos lord thing so it's this the big guy walking towards i was about to say the camera but <laughs> walking walking forwards with the extra arms yeah yeah he's the greater demon of the um of the slanesh uh, leanings Right, that was, that was good. Right, so what else we got? We got, um, now I'm probably going to butcher this, <laughs> Sil Eske, The Vengeful Allegiance. So I know this one. Okay, this I mean is, the name kind of gives you a hint here. Yeah, so this is the guy with the sort of lots of different arms, and it's the singular model. Uh, he's He looks infantry size, so I guess, I don't know who he is or what he is. 
So what he is, he's, he is the slight, the notably taller than infantry size oh, guy who actually has on his back like this kind of apparatus, I guess is the best way to describe it, with a small demonette type thing dancing on it. Yeah, it's it's it looks like he's got lots of arms, but is it a backpack? Thing it's, it's it's like a harness that he wears with this right. metal framework that the dancer is kind of spinning around. I guess is is kind of the theme they've gone for. Do you know what he does? Is no, like looks a, cool. Yeah, probably beats the out people. He's probably like a Slanesh version of an apostle or something. Inspires demonettes to fight harder because they see a, another sexy demonette dancing. I don't know. I'm just that, that might talking. be that might be what it is. <laughs> but you, that, that, that's the model. So good, good one. Right, the contorted epitome. What is it, Dave? It's uh, a model. So, what, what have we got left? We've got the big, big mirror thing. Well, what do you think it is? <laughs> You're under time pressure now. We're we'll recording. See I can remember the big mirror thing. Yeah, you got it right. It's the big nice. mirror thing with the two slanesh demons either side. You lucky bugger. Yeah. So that's the. That, we don't. I don't know if I haven't actually looked at the um, descriptions of what all these are, but it's quite a big kit actually. Now, because how I'm thinking this is this is, is it not the terrain piece. No, it's not a terrain piece. That's what oh, it's not. It looks like a terrain piece because it's, it's the big mirror with the two demonettes either side. But I think because it... Ha- oh, they're like fancy demonettes. Mm-hmm. But I think because it has actual creatures on it, it's not a terrain piece. If you notice, all the GW terrain pieces don't include any sort of creatures on them. They're all a static so it's thing. more like a weapon than a... So I think it's, it might be some kind of, like, movable buff or something that, that, that has some other effect. But it's definitely an actual model rather than a terrain piece. Okay. Right, so the Fane of Slanesh. Fane. Uh, oh, there was a... There was like a Herald one, wasn't there? But the Her- No, the Herald one was the Harlequin... Uh, the Mask one. The, the Mask called the Mask, yes. Uh, shush. <laughs> the Herald was the Mask, because I remember comparing it to um, Harlequins. Yeah, because he looks at... Or she looks a bit like... It looks a bit like the Solitaire from Harlequins. Yes, okay. So that is the next one called the Mask that was on the list. But the Fane of Slash is the terrain piece. So it's the giant spiky terrain piece that is the symbol of Slanesh. Oh, okay. uh, With the giant demon face in the middle of it. Very nice. Oh, is is that Age of Sigmar only, or is that... No, no, it's 40k well? as well, I think. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if it was uh, one of the big spells from Age of Sigmar. No, so the actual endless spells are... There are three of them. One is the... It's like a portal mirror thing that floats around. Okay. There's one that is this awesome, like, barrier made up of, like, all the flying spinny discs from the um, Combine Harvester. The Slanesh Combine, you know, the, the, their chariot <laughs> that has all the spinny wheels. It looks like a giant Combine Harvester. from a Combine No, not an actual Combine Harvester, Dave. Um, and the third one is this giant mouth. Yeah, demonette uh, head. Demonette head yeah. mouth thing with, like, the lashing tendrils coming out of its mouth, which looks really cool. The endless spells for Sigma do They're look so cool. good. The, the big bull one. Oh, yeah. Fire. The, the fire. I'm very jealous of what they have for, for Age of Sigma, mm. for stuff like that. And the last one, I mean, the fiends have been reduced, released as well, but we all know what the fiends yeah, are. Yeah, fiends. Uh, the Infernal and Rapturous. So that must be the uh, stringed harp from the intestines disgusting thing. <laughs> you got that one right. Fair enough. Okay, you did a lot better than I thought you were going to do. Yeah, well, I, I could not... Re- I, I knew the, the Keeper of Secrets. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a basic one. Come on. Yeah, the Keeper of Secrets, the mask, uh, the fiends, obviously. Um, it was the it was the other three that I wasn't sure which order they were in. Yeah, and because they're all the really new stuff, right? And I like the direction they've gone with it um, because it's not hypersexualized. Um, there obviously is that element to it, but it's not like the Keeper of Secrets looks almost androgynous in like its mm. form, and 
they're, they're posing on that model were like with the, the way it's striding forward it's really really well done and the kit they did the breakdown of the kit you know with the parts and like you've got multiple options to like build the character version and their arms can be clawed or hands or i think there's some whips and uh, a big ass sword um so there's quite a lot of variety you can get out of just the one giant monster kit nice yeah like you said it's it's not all sexualization it's Salesh is the god of uh your innermost desires an excess an excess as well yeah i i tell you where it's very good to read about slanesh is actually one of the horace heresy books so the one about the emperor's children so they're famously the slanesh sort of cover boys when it comes to space marine legions and it's uh fulgrim yeah the book book called fulgrim and it follows this uh, remembrancer, I yep. think they're called. Uh, it basically makes a statue, and he is so he gets so obsessed with perfection that it drives him craziness. Yeah, because in that, I remember that Fulgrim loses his sh- basically because he sculpts because he's a Primarch. He mm. sculpts a perfect form in a statue, and it doesn't look quite right. I guess it's like the Uncanny Valley thing going on with it. Um, it doesn't have any flaws, and obviously, like the, I remember the artist, he has a conversation with the artist, where the artist is like, no, but it's the flaws that make something yeah. art. It's all very arty. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, the way they've kind of captured the other essences of Slanesh in the models is uh, is really, really good and really different, I think. Yeah, so that's all of the Slanesh bits and bobs that came out uh, over the last couple of weeks and the other thing i guess is the faq but we will cover that in the topic yeah we'll cover that in its own section shortly but shall we move on to talking about a game for the first time this year yeah so you had a game on i guess it's called easter saturday now so uh, long long weekend for us in the uk four days lovely. yeah love it love it yeah, and you played our good friend Tim. I guess he took his Dark Elder? Yes, I mean, Tim's 40k army is his Dark Elder. Um, previously, I fared well against them with the Orcs. Drukari, if we're going to be uh, correct about this. <laughs> Thank you for that correction, Dave. You're right. So, yes, I fared well against them in the past with the Orcs. Um, previously, facing him with Imperials, I've been battered from pillar to post. Um, so I decided enough was enough. I'm going to play Tim with his top tier army by accident that he's had for like 10 years <laughs> um, with some top tier level gaming. Well, sort of. Not really. So, did you also take Drakari? <laughs> no, I did not take my Drakari. They're nowhere near ready to put on the table. So everyone knows that the king of the crop is your imperial soup, right? So, Unfortunately. Yes. So, I mean, I don't have 32 guardsmen to get my battalion. So I took Space Marines because I so have you them. T- you took three uh, Custodes captains. No, 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 no. I took a battalion of Ultramarines. I don't have any Custodes either. No. But I thought, who else wears shiny suits of armor that are pretty badass and can move around quite quickly? Harlequins. Shiny suits of armor? Come on, mate. Wow. Grey Knights. I've got some Grey Knights. So I took Voldus and the Grey Knights, who are not quite as good as Custodes shield captains on bikes. But I did also take Imperial Knights. Nice. So I did take my one knight and his two Helverin buddies that I finished like the day before. I'm so, just going to put out there that Rich took about five different takes at trying to say Questorus and then just gave up. Yes, thank you, Dave. <laughs> thank you for that. Um, so, <laughs> the I power mean, of editing. Imperial Soup, it is not. So I'm renaming my list Imperial Gruel because it's just <laughs> soup. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, so I thought it gives him a bit of run for his money. Obviously, we're still playing casually and for a laugh, but I wanted to make sure that I had an army that could actually 
go toe to toe with the Drakari because it was like hitting a pinata last time we played. He just beat the Space Marines t- to pieces. Mm-hmm. The only game we had that was vaguely close, I made his entire army come on in dribs and drabs just for the story, um, which made it a fairish fight that he still beat me quite badly. That's the your only close game with Imperial. Cause yes, because the, cool the Orc game was very good. Yeah. As usual with the setup, kind of went thematic with it. I did the cathedral in one corner, and I did all of my um, more Mechanicus-focused buildings kind of around it, and then put like a double-wide road section, so it's like some open space. Nice, so it's like a, a drive up to the... Up to the cathedral. Nice. So I put my I put the Imperial Forces in the cathedral, of course, because um, we rolled up um, uh, Vanguard Strike, which is the diagonal deployment, mm. um, and the Drakari uh, were crawling from the Imperial uh, Sector Mechanicus stuff and through all the buildings and things. It looked really cool because they like, had vehicles flying over the Mechanicus building, and like guys raiders raiders in raiders a city cool. raiders in a city just flying over buildings just oh it looked really good the setup um so we played a chapter approved mission because chapter approved 2018 is where it's at for the missions they are good so we went for the uh, mission i think it's called vital intelligence it's the one where there are five objectives deployed one in the center of the board and one in the middle of each quarter oh yeah and you roll to Activate yes. each one each turn. So you roll a d6, 1 to 5, they activate 1 to 5, and then on a 6, they all activate. And the ones that are activated for that turn are the ones that are worth more points. Yep. I like it. I think it's a really good mission. It's really, really, really good. So the setup now is that one player sets up first. So Tim set up his whole army first. I set mine up in response, and then I get the chance to seize initiative, which, yep. of course, I failed. So it's gone back to the old, old version of setup. It has, yes. But I, I think it really works like this now. It's, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I was feeling a bit rusty playing 40k, I must admit, so Tim and I decided that we'd just go for a straight-up stick-to-the-mission objective and not try and add in any any too many narrative bits this time round. We'll do a narrative game in the future because I wanted to make sure I could get my brain back into 40k gear. Oh, yeah, It's been, it's been like four or five months now. So, Tim ended up with first turn. So, the Drukhari being Drukhari do what they always do best and just bombed it across the board in various different directions. Kill enough those, of us or you will die. Yeah, those raiders move fast. Yeah. And the Ravagers zipping around. However, the objective that had activated was the central objective. Nice. Which was right in front of my lines and my knights and everything like that. So Tim was very reticent about getting too close. And then it kind of dawned on us the great way that the mission is balanced out because the points are scored at the end of the battle round. So the first player gets the chance to move first and shoot first, maybe grab some objectives, but they don't score any points until after the other players had their turn. And chance to retaliate, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, because it was the central one, he couldn't get on it to try and grab that number of points, the, 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 the higher points one, because it was so close to my line. So it was a really good way of the game balancing itself out as to who goes first and second. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed with that. They, of course, do what the Drakari do best and fire bazillion shots uh, out of all of their vehicles, there was housing of uh, splinter rifle fire, and uh, it dropped 20 marines in the first term. 20? Yeah, because space marines die really easily, man. Jesus. So, they just were mowed they them. Some were in cover, some weren't. Um, just got mowed down. Yeah. Um, a th- a three-up save is no longer the three-up save of yesteryear. No, he's got disintegrators and all those sort of things, and, you know... He every hit of a six generates extra hits because of splinter axe, and mm. he can re-roll the ones because of his cabal rule for poison. So you know, it's very efficient at grinding down the infantry. Chip the hell rings off a few a few shots here and there, um, but he didn't damage the uh, actual knights because the first time he fired at it, I cycled my ion shields with a stratagem, which gives them a, which gives the 
that one model of three up in Van Save when you combine Boo. it with the four up. Boo. I wanted to not get beaten up, man. How are you running the Imperial Knight? What what loadout have you got on it? So it has got the Gatling Blaster. Yes. Which is the relic one. Um, because it, it does extra shots and is very unpleasant when it hits. Uh, and if you're taking one Imperial Knight, why would you not give a, it a relic? It's one command point to give it a relic. Was it a character as well? Did you make it? You a make it a character for one command point. It gets a warlord trait, which is yeah. a four up in fun. You give it one command point to give it a relic, and it, I took the the relic Gatling Blaster, a repeater battle cannon, um, all the guns. It's got the multi. It's got the melter on its nipple gun. It had carapace, the carapace missile yeah. launcher. Nice. Um, so I went all out on the guns front. He fired at it once. I did the three up in bun. He was like, I'm just not going to bother shooting at it anymore because now it's got a three up in bun. So it's, it's a good decision on both our parts. He didn't waste any shots and I, I just kind of deterred him from shooting at it really. Play a, play a command point. It doesn't get killed. However, we'll come on to it, but I'm glad that it got fixed in the FAQ. They've kind of down, they've toned down the, the, the knight ability on that a little bit, which I'm, I'm quite happy with to be yeah. honest with you because I felt like I had to do it to keep my knight alive. And then Tim felt like he had to not shoot at it because it's now got a three up in bun save. So there was very little decision making, which, Everything about 40k that I really enjoy, apart from the thematic side, is the decision-making bits. And when they're taken away from you, it's, it's not, it's not as interesting. A three-up in one save on something that big is... With command points, it's just like... Bit, yeah. You it's can a, re-roll it. And, uh, I got round to my movement phase, because Tim couldn't get on that objective. Um, obviously, I'd lost a whole bunch of Space Marines, but they were kind of there just to be command point and objective-holding guys, really. They weren't expecting them to actually achieve much. I was shocked by the movement ability of the knights. The knight moves 12 yeah. and the helmets move 14. That's the same as the radar. It's the little uh, AT, well, the ATSTs. Yeah, they're the little speedy legs, but... Yeah, little chicken legs. I chose House Raven as my, um, my for my knight house. Uh, that Which gives them... That so it gives them the ability to, if they advance... They can treat all their heavy weapons as assault weapons. Yes. And okay. they don't suffer the minus one to hit. So they can basically advance and still shoot. It's the, it's the, they're, they're the mobile ones, aren't they're they? They're very yeah. mobile, which I was very impressed with how mobile they were. I was able to use them to get onto objectives quite quickly. I suppose they, they, they became your equivalent of a radar. <laughs> yes, they did. So I rubbed my hands together with glee as the shooting phase arrived. And my warlord does what my warlord always does. Fires his combi plasma on overcharge mode. And I roll a one. I've rolled a one before with him. It's not a problem. He gets a free reroll because he's a captain. Yep. Rolled another one. And died. Oh. Oh, no. Is he your warlord? Yep. So my turn one, I gave Tim Slay the warlord, which nice. is great. Nice. I didn't want to make the knight my warlord because I thought that was a little cheesy. Because the, the Drakari have cr- cool stuff they can do if they kill characters. Like, they can cut their head off and, like, use them. They can do the soul-sucking-out thing, or they can take them alive and torture your troops. So An Imperial Knight shouldn't be... It's, it's an auxiliary choice. It shouldn't be the warlord or a HQ yeah. choice unless it is a knight army. So had it either the Ultramarines warlord or the, have the Ultramarines captain as the warlord or Voldus and I felt that the Ultramarines captain holding the ground was the, was the yeah, I felt like the battle would be centred around what he wanted to do Voldus and the knights were sort of back up yeah, yeah. they're the cavalry so I thought well moving on from that because I just need to gloss over it, even though Tim was wetting himself laughing at this point I thought right Helverins not use these guys before let's see what they can do um, they've got two heavy auto cannons they might even be called armager auto cannons something like that they are basically the same as a predator auto cannon well they've got two of them and they do flat three damage they do flat three damage so i thought i'll fire one each at uh two different raiders i killed one of the raiders how many shots they get d2d uh 2d3 
Oh, right, yeah, so D3 each D- No, two D3 each autocannon. Oh. So the model gets four D3 shots. Crikey. So I managed to blow up one um, Ravager, uh, one Raider, and um, cripple another one. Incredibly effective shooting. It's like, Especially against them, because the high strength wounds them on three, so strength seven, like an autocannon. It's the damage three. Yep. Flat damage of three, like a couple of shots got through, and that was it. That thing, Those things were dead. Yeah, well, how many wounds do they have? Is it nine? They have ten wounds, ten but wounds. like... I think one of them I got all four all four went through and yeah, that was it it just shredded with 12 ridiculous. wounds so I was like oh wow that was a bit good um, then the other hel- the other Helverin uh, pointed its guns at the Ravager because um, those disintegrator cannons are unpleasant mm-hmm. um, and just blew it up in one go nice I was like wow this is why people take Helverins and things I'm glad I don't have more than two because that would seem unfair <laughs> <laughs> and then the knight dished out its pain on multiple units at this point I realised a bit of a folly with the knight. Its first outing, I gave it all the guns, um, and I just got decision paralysis on target priority and what <laughs> the hell to shoot at. Don't know who to shoot, yeah. First time using it as well, so you don't know how effective the guns are against different targets as well. Yeah, exactly what I was going to come to is I didn't know what was the best target for the battle cannon, what was the best target for the Gatling cannon. Missile launcher, I know, because it's a missile launcher. but So I, I had to kind of work that out, and I don't think I got it quite right. I think I shot too much stuff at the infantry and not enough stuff at taking out other vehicles. But, lesson learned. Either way, a lot of shooting, and the knight was very proudly stood directly over the objective. Nice. So, that moved on to Tim's turn two, and holy hell did uh, did reinforcements arrive. I looked at the table and I thought, I've killed a fair few things here. This is, this is, this is going to go quite well. And then the scourges arrived from Deep Strike. They're the flying say, ones. That, this is when you realise how cheap Jukari are. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, and how good their stuff is. Mandrakes, two units of Mandrakes pop out of the... Warp or wherever it is they live, not Ar- the mark. Arguably the best looking unit in uh, the Drukari. Yeah, and Tim's painted them really well. Like they are, they've got, they're all dark black. They've got bright white hair and like the flayed skin and then like orange fire and stuff coming out of their hands. It looks really cool. They popped out and then a whole load of stuff got out of vehicles as well because there were, of course, there were more, there were more traits, transport vehicles because he's got another second cabal now. And reminder that blasters as weapons are horribly evil because <laughs> um, they're just short range like las cannons or I suppose they're like a longer range multi, a longer range melt gun actually. They're very unpleasant. Um, and he has a lot of them. Uh, again, he rolled and activated the central objective, which I was quite pleased with. Oh, so my no. knight's just standing there like, are you going to come and take this? Because uh, I'd already warned Tim not to get too close to the knight in combat because stomp attacks stomp are stupid. Ridiculous. They're just stupid. The mandrakes, um, they're actually quite good. I mean, I thought they were going to mince through some infantry, but they were out of range. But they did quite a, put a bit of hurt on the knight because although I did the whole rotate ion shields trick... Uh, every time they roll a six to wound, they do mortal wounds, which just gets straight past all that say, nonsense. Yeah, iron, iron shield's not going to save that. No, nope. so I think he did like three or four mortal wounds with the with the mandrakes, which was a nice start for him. And I got a very strict lesson on just how good the Void Raven bomber is. I've not seen it before because he hasn't used it against me. Those bombs are ridiculous. It has one bomb. So I was like, it's only got one bomb compared to like the burner bomber has <laughs> two. It does mortal wounds on a three, <laughs> and you roll equal to the number of models in the unit, or I think D three for uh, up to a maximum. I think as well. up to a maximum of ten though. <laughs> so he flew over, space from, that much. flew over a space from union unit and did six mortal wounds. <laughs> oh no! So you know, Those space marines are just oh dear. And then it has two heavy. I mean, they're called void lances. They're like a heavy dark lance. They're a D3 shot dark lance, and it has two of them. Okay, I didn't know it had that. So it can chuck out up to six dark lance shots as well. This is why people take three of them, I guess. Yeah, really unpleasant. I mean, it, it, it ripped into um, 
it, it rips into one of the Helverins and the other Razor Wing Jet Fighter. I'm getting good at remembering his names now. Yeah. Um, ripped into the other Helverins. So they were both pretty mauled by this point, and the Marines, there was just a handful of them left, and the Knight just stood there on its own on the objective. So it was uh, three Knights <laughs> and some blokes now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The Knights weren't <laughs> yeah. in good shape either. Let's not, let's not be around the bush. No, it wasn't going well, but... My turn two arrived, and heroically, after about a ten-minute discussion of where the hell I should put him, uh, Voldus and the Grey Knights teleported onto the battlefield. Was he as unimpressive as normal? Well, Tim was quite quite, quite amused, actually, when I told him I'm taking Voldus. He was like, I've listened to your episodes before. He doesn't sound very good. <laughs> and I was like, well, you never know, right? Sometimes he does well. Um, so he showed up in the... Him and the Grey Knights showed up in the backfield of the Drakari, and through... Because they, no, they have no psychic defense, the Drakari. Because they yes, don't have psychic, they don't believe in psychic powers. I think they've got the the stratagem causing they cause a perils or something. They have a helm that gives them um, one uh, resistance uh, roll, and if they succeed, the psychic takes the perils of the warp, which is pretty good. Yeah, but generally speaking, they're quite open to psychic powers, and um, through a combination of vortex of doom, purge soul, smite, and smite from the unit. Um, I just killed an entire unit of warriors and a whole bunch of mandrakes because Vortex of Doom on this. I rolled a 12 plus and it does d6 mortal wounds to everything. Witness your doom. Yeah, it was really unpleasant. The rules revelation on Vortex of Doom, um, it hits every unit within three inches of the target unit, including your own. Oh. So I don't use it to point blank range because it won't end <laughs> well for you. <laughs> yeah, I was like. And this, cause it was that would have been a fitting end for It would have been a fitting end for Voldus. My shooting was less impressive. Um, the Mandrakes did a cool stratagem trick. They're already minus one to hit them yeah. um, because they're all ethereal and they come from, you know, the shadows. The land down under. Yep. You can make them another minus one with the Drakari stratagems. So they were minus two to hit them. That's the, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So I'd already. That's, that's approaching uh, flyer, flyer. So I'd levels. already committed to shoot some night weapons at them. So um, I, then Tim activated that stratagem and I was like, ah, okay, he's playing me at my own game of like countering an attack by using a stratagem, which makes sense. The Helverins fluffed their shooting so much, despite the fact that I used the Mecha- Questor Mechanicus stratagem, which lets them fire on their top profile, even if they're damaged. Okay, yeah. Um, it was just. The knights that turn rolled on par with new model syndrome. Yep, first game painted model always does badly. Yeah, but thankfully the, the grey knights had provided some some good backup at this point. Their storm bolters got to use bolter bolter drill. No, bolter discipline. Yes, the FAQ one. The FAQ bolter rules. Um, so they fired four shots at. 24 inch range so you don't have to deploy them in the face of your opponent they can hose down with their storm bolters at, uh, at maximum range so a mix a mixed turn two i had more stuff on the board this turn but um hadn't really achieved too much so tim moved on to his turn three the objective that activated was one that was held by a whole bunch of warriors which was a bit of an issue and surrounded by scourges and his archon and the incubi in their radar, so I wasn't going to... You weren't going to get that either. Well, you never know, right? You never know how things are going to go with 40k. Some of the, Tim's new additions are the Slith models that he's converted got out of their transport. Are they the snake guys? So... Like four arms. Yes, they're the four-armed reptilian guys. Mm-hmm. Um, he's converted his out of mixing together uh, the Daughters of Cain snake body okay, yeah. girls with spears and things yeah. with uh, some scourge bits... Um, but he's done like they've got one wing and like it's a bit gammy he's like clipped some of the membrane bits off so it looks quite skeletal it looks quite cool and uh, they're they're accompanied by because they're for his new 
cabal. They're accompanied by an archon who is hanging off of one of the Cities of Death lampposts. Nice. With, like, all of his cut like wings. vampire. They, they are a bit, yeah. yeah, they've gotten that sort of angle. And uh, they look really cool, because he's got them shard carbines and then the extra arm for spears and stuff like that. They look really cool. Um, so they come, they get out of their vehicle to take on the Grey Knights. The other Archon, because he's got so many Archons, because they're so cheap, uh, moves to take out my Lieutenant, because he's my only command structure left after the Warlord evaporated himself. And the Scourges um, hammer home with their blasters and just eradicate one of the Helverins. Unfortunately, it doesn't blow up, because... When knights go off, they go off quite well. Mm. Um, but um, he just wrecked it. Uh, and the other Helvrin was left staggering around on one wound. Nice. So he got a bit cheeky. He had one Mandrake left. He's like, I'm just going to charge that Helvrin. And I'm like, okay, 2d3 Overwatch shots. I've got 12 Overwatch shots. And uh, pasted that uh, <laughs> Mandrake into next week. <laughs> Poor bloke. <laughs> yeah, not really, though. They're kind of creepy and weird. The Archon and the Slith barreled into the Grey Knights without even stopping. Um, Fortunately for me, the Archon absolutely fluffs it on the wounding rolls because um, the Husk Blade, when it hits you, is very unpleasant. It goes through two up. It goes through like, everything. Yeah. It's, it does D3 damage. It's a very unpleasant weapon, but uh, the lack of strength for an Archon sort of uh, hindered him a bit there. Um, and the Slith only killed one of the Grey Knights. Okay, so not that's not bad. Actually. Not bad at all, considering Voldus turned round and smashed his hammer straight through the Archon's shadow field on the first save. Oh no. However, <laughs> normally that equals jamified Archon, but uh, the Slith are, they're, they're like a bodyguard. Okay. And on a two up, you can pass wounds off onto them. Like a lookout, sir. Yeah, but it's, it's done after damage is applied. So right. it's not like you. Just, they, they don't jump in front and take the armor. They don't take the, the whole hit, they take the wounds. So, like, I dealt the Archon like nine wounds or something like that, and he passed them all off, all, all but one or two off onto the Slith. Nice. Which did leave him with basically no slith left. Well, yeah. So, my turn three. This was getting bloody at this point and brutal. We're kind of beating the tar out of each other's armies. Um, the knight sizes up the objective that had activated with all that stuff surrounding it. I was up in the mar in whether to make the move. What should I do? I just said, you know, f*** it. Let's just go for it. He barreled on up because he moves really fast because... Uh, 12 inches is ridiculously absurd. Um, obviously, I couldn't advance because I wanted to potentially charge. The last Helverin uh, tries to kill the Razor Wing, but even though I spent the stratagem again to make it far on its top profile, that minus one to hit flyers, I must have rolled like five threes. <laughs> it's just like, I just needed that to hit. And the knight dishes out a lot of pain with the shooting. Um, but again, I made really poor choices with my... Decisions on what to shoot at. I shot the repeater battle cannon at the Scourges and the Gatling cannon at the Raider. I think I should have done it the other way around because the Gatling cannon fires so many shots it can hose down infantry, mm-hmm. even though they're light infantry. And it occurred to me after this that it's brilliant for killing the, the Drakari because they get their power from pain. And the number of times the battle cannon was doing one wound with a D3 and then they were passing their six up. Um, ignore pain. Whereas two damage from that Gatling cannon, you've got to roll double six every time you want to save someone. So, yeah, another lesson in uh, how to use the knight. Obviously, it charged into combat, and Tim then experienced why Stomp is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I, th- it, I think that needs to be a bit nerfed as well. It just needs to be damage one. I mean, I've got the non-combat-y knight, so it has four attacks, but it turns into 12 attacks. <laughs> and, like, at damage D3, like, it just annihilates everything. It, is, it shouldn't be damage D3. Yeah, or it should have just less attacks. Just have two stomps. One, two. Two feet coming down. Yeah, I mean, they need to do something. I, mean, they don't, I think they don't want to change the data sheet. That's the problem. That's the, uh, that's the issue. But yeah. uh, I don't know what they can do. 
I mean, I don't know. But either way, it is just obscene. Well, no one ever takes the combat weapons apart from them. They look, look they, they look cool. The, the stomp should be the backup. Like the oh crap, there's stuff around my feet. It shouldn't be a viable attack. I is mean, this the primary choice of attack? Yeah. Anyway. Then, then Voldus uh, steps up and turns the Archon into absolute jam because he's got no more Slith to hurl in the way. And, uh, Especially without a shadow field as well. I mean, once you fail that shadow field, like, it's over for the, it's over for the Archon. Yeah, but the Knight couldn't quite overpower him on that objective because he had too many guys because, um, obviously he's got troops so they over, well, I mean, the, the Knight and them both have the can hold objectives rule, but obviously he had a whole buttload more than me. Um, so at the end of the game, Tim was 9-8 ahead because we had to call it on time. Nice. I mean, that's, that's a lot closer than the other, other games. Were. Oh, much, much closer. We both had an absolute blast because our armies really did tear into each other. And because I had knights and the grey knights, etc., I could take a bit more aggression from him than the space marines can on their own. So- I really love the mission, though. The way that the priority objective kind of hops around the board is kind of like a maelstrom-y feel to it. It makes you move as well. If you're, uh, you're obviously not two gunline armies, but if you were two gunline armies or you are facing a gunline army, it forces them to move, which yeah. is, is what's needed because a gunline is just boring. But, I mean, what, what did you take away? I mean, you say knights, you need to focus on their target priority a lot more, but I mean, what, what did you take home from the game? For me, Marines are just still a liability. I love Space Marines. They're very cool. But, you know, Space Marine part of my, part of my army was like 800 points. Is that Marines in general or the standard Marines versus it's Primaris? Tactical squads. It's Tactical Squads versus Primaris. All, all, all the time, that's a problem. You know, I was telling Tim what, what the difference between the Marines and he's like, the Primaris is obviously significantly better. What's the, what's the points difference? Uh, 13 points for a Space Marine, 17 points for a Primaris. And the Space Marines have unit upgrades that you obviously take so you know 10 space marines is 180 points whereas five uh primaris is 85 points yeah for the 800 points i spent on the space marines they really didn't achieve much other than dying now obviously if i'd had let's say if i'd had four more helverins it would have been a different game because they wouldn't have died but also i would have kicked the teeth out of Tim's army and it wouldn't have been fun. fun, So I'm glad I had the Space Marines, even though they're a liability because it made the game fun. Um, I really like the varieties in the Drukhari Codex, though, looking at it, because Tim's taken two different Cabal rules. One of them gives him, like, a buff to poison weapons. The other one gives him an extra six-inch range on all of his weapons. Um, So he used... The new Cabal had, like, the more blasters and things like that, where buffing them from an 18 to a 24-inch range on your anti-tank weapons and the ability to move around a lot more gave him two very different playing sections of his army mm-hmm. from the same codex, whereas t- in order for me to get two different playing sections of You'd my army... you two different chapters. No, two different armies, mate, because Space Marines are just stand and do their thing. Well, yeah. The the, fl- the, the, ultra- the difference between the Ultramarines and, let's say, the uh, if you're going to build an Ultramarines army versus how you're going to build a Salamander's army... You know, they're not that different because Salamanders get those re-rolls and Ultramarines get the ability to fall back and shoot, but they're both still concentrated on armies that are a bit better at shooting than other Space Marines, or the Raven Guard are a little bit harder for them to hit. Like, there's no massive difference in how they play, whereas the Cabals give you a big difference in how they play. There's another Cabal that gives extra movement to your vehicles, and people get a bonus when they're embarked on the vehicle, so it leads you down the Raider route. The flip side of that is the Space Marines have a massive codex with loads and loads and loads of different 
units. Yeah, I suppose that's so true. So if you're a Raven Guard, you're more likely to take assault squads and land speeders and stuff versus an Ultramarine squad where you're more likely to take more infantry with a better sort of uh, bolter rules. And, yeah, it's and true. Falling back and shooting. So, uh, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I like the variety in the Space Marine book from the different units that you can take. But yeah, being able to totally transform one unit from one playstyle to another with the Drukari book is, is a big bonus. Yeah, and Tim's take-home was that uh, it was key that he played the objectives. He was talking to me about a previous game he'd played that he lost because he hadn't played the objectives. He just tried to kill everything. He's a Drakari player, like, that's what he's going to do, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, it was kind of like a play the objectives, even at risks, and uh, get those victory points for, for the win. It sounds... I'm not going to say... I'm, I'm not sore losing with this. It was a really good game. I don't really care that I lost. I think I would have won if we'd gone to more turns because... You were on the front foot, it sounded yeah, like. Yeah, I crippled yeah. a lot of his anti-tank weaponry. He didn't really have much left, so the knight probably would have dominated the rest of the game. But then that also would have been pretty lame had it just stood there. I'd taken out all of his blasters and most of his dart lances, and then it just stood there and they can do basically nothing against it. It's not very much fun. So I think, for me, I will stick with my Imperial Gruel list um, because it's got a bit of bite to it, um, but it's also not overpowered because it relies on things like Space Marines. It provides feel goods to your opponent as well, knowing that they can easily kill the Space Marines. Because <laughs> there's, like you said, there's nothing worse than when you come up against an army that you just really struggle to kill anything. Yeah, I mean, I played the All Knights army. I played against it. It's boring as all hell because you yep. can't do anything to it. With my army, at least the opponent can kill the knights with the weapons that are designed to kill the knight or focus on killing the infantry who are going to hold the objectives and take away my ability to win the game that way. So there's a lot of variety to it. So I think I'll be sticking with it. Cool. So that was your game against Tim. Do you want to head into our kill team experience? Yeah, let's go for it. Yes. So we had a nice little introduction to kill teams. Yes. So this was actually on both of our lists for our year of 40k. What we wanted to get done this year was to play kill team. Uh, And we finally had our first game. And boy, did we have fun. Yeah, man, it was really, really impressively fun. For what seems like it should be feeling just like 40k, completely different. Yeah, I I was quite sceptical, because when we had booked in a game, we booked in this kill team for quite a long time ago, but I didn't envision the fact that we hadn't actually played a game of 40k, so I was a bit, not bummed, but I I, I wanted to play 40k, and I was a bit like, "Uh, well, yeah, okay, we'll we'll play kill team, but I kind of want to play... 40k but boy am i glad that we did play kill team because it was excellent for those who don't know kill team is like a skirmish game uh, set in 40k but instead of using units uh, each individual model counts i suppose as a unit so you move them uh, shoot them all individually all at different targets um, and as you get further and further into the story or if you have a more advanced kill team you can give them specialisms you can give them uh, different weapons and it becomes very story based and, and you can have some great specialization and customization with your kill teams yeah, and you can build a lot of character into the kill team when you're making it as well. I mean, we mentioned the hobby progress section. You can go a bit nuts with the conversions, but you can really develop each model into its own character if you wanted to because you don't need a lot of them and, and the game rewards you for uh, making them as individuals. Yeah, I mean, uh, the official roster sheets that you get, they, they have names and all sorts on there, so it does point you in the direction of customising it completely. But uh, on to our game. So I had the Scions box, the um, uh, Imperator, I think it's called Drop Force Imperator. Drop Force Imperator, yes. Yeah, so that they are the, the Scions um, intro kill team box. And 
in there you actually get a science-specific narrative mission and a science-specific matched play ni- mission. Uh, so we had a look at both. Uh, we had a look at the narrative one. So that was, uh, I think the science started in the middle and were approached by all sides by the other kill team, almost like they were uh, sort of doing an extraction. Uh, but we actually chose uh, the mission, the match play mission called Best of the Best. Uh, so this essentially was a standard end-to-end deployment. But the way to win was to gain victory points by killing models with your specialists. Uh, and in fact, if you killed specialists with your specialists, you got extra points. Yep. So it was a very cool. So it was all about uh, killing specialists, believe it or not. So let's sort of run through the differences between Kill Team and 40k. So yeah, go for it. We said it's a skirmish game. It's a very small force. So you're limited to 100 points. And they've got their own individual points system as well. It's not exactly the same as 40k. Yeah, it's, it's very similar, but uh, a lot of the weapons are very much reduced in price just Basically, you're limited to 100 points, and if they're all based on points in 40k, you're going to have about two models. So, I was running Scions. Uh, I had, what, about 10 models, I'd say? I had 10 models, 10 or 11 models, yeah. yeah. So, I had a Tempestor, who was Janus Drake, but the Tempestor is the sergeant. Uh, and I had four riflemen, a sniper specialist, a comms specialist, who yep. was an unsung hero. Oh, yeah. Uh, and a heavy who was using the uh, hotshot volley gun, which is the four-shot uh, heavy las gun, basically. And Dave was matched up against my uh, Deathwatch kill team, who had only six models: two guys with bolters, one combat specialist, um, shotguns, and a frag cannon. Yes, your frag cannon and the so frag cannon was my specialist, and the combat specialist was the guy with the two swords, and then the leader was my sergeant. Hmm. To start off, Kill Team, you uh, alternate deploying models. So, as I said, the models themselves are your units. Yeah, so, so one at a guy at a time. Alternate deploying the models. I mean, often missions will dictate how you set it up, but this, yes. this particular mission you alternate. And then you, you roll initiative. So this is where it sort of uh, takes a bit out of Age of Sigma. So you roll for initiative at the start of the turn, and obviously whoever has the higher initiative goes first on all actions. Yes. And um, so it starts by... What's different here is that you do your entire movement phase. So whoever won initiative moves their whole force, then the other player moves their whole force, then you take turns individually doing the actions with the models after that point. Yeah, so if we go back to that, movement is done altogether from both teams before you go into the shooting phase. Yes. So one team does not move, then shoot, then combat, and then no. swaps over. It does make you think, if I move here, where is my opponent going to move? So if you've got a shot lined up down an alleyway, you have to hope that your opponent either doesn't see that shot down the alleyway or moves into the alleyway just to... Yeah. You, you need to think ahead. It's very much like X-Wing. Yes. In, in the way that you've got to work out where your opponent is likely to go and what they're likely to shoot with etc and you've got to, there's a lot of prioritization takes place on such a small field of battle a game of kill team could take 10 minutes if you didn't think about what you're doing and you just moved and shoot and yes moved very on. quick but 
a lot of the strategy comes from shooting different models with different weapons and obviously knowing the special rules for each individual faction because I found out the hard way that the Space Marine or Death Watch in this case special rule was very good. Yes, so we'll come on to that in a minute when we talk about the two forces but what's interesting is when you're moving, if you don't move your model counts as being readied which is a status that means it shoots first basically and also during the same phase you decide if you want to charge or not it's all done during the movement phase yeah so charging you say this model's charging another model you roll the distance if you fail to reach them you can still move the model normally i think it moves the charged roll it moves but the it, charged it can't roll, get yeah. into combat but you can still use it for the rest of the turn so you're not penalized that much and your opponent gets to do overwatch but what's also interesting, as they added in, is if the, your receiving model hasn't moved yet, it can actually fall back as part of its response to the charge. So it gives you the chance to move, I think it's three inches backwards, to kind of get out of the way. You can't use the model, but you can get get it out of harm's reach and maybe leave a charging model stranded in the open. Mm. It does of... mean that you can't shoot with that fallen back model in the next shooting phase. Yes, though. that's true. So there is an element of strategy to it. There's a lot of trade-offs when you're playing this game, I think, because you're thinking... Do I want to move this model for a better position, or do I want to ready it to shoot first? Do I want to risk charging and ending up not rolling high enough and landing in the open and being shot? Are they going to fall back? Are they going? To... There's so many little decisions that take place as the as the game's progressing. I really really enjoyed that part. Yeah, I mean, obviously we simplified it a lot. We didn't uh, take into account a lot of the more intricate rules. I mean, we had to look up. Uh, different rules occasionally for sort of jumping up and down ladders yes and uh falling down distances as well yeah and we ignored command points because we wanted to get a a simple introduction and not have to juggle uh, stratagems on top of uh, learning how to play kill team yeah i mean at the end of this i think we actually came away with the basics pretty much down so i think we should introduce command points oh totally for sure yeah so as rich mentioned uh readied models shoot first so when you move into the shooting phase uh, you go through the different readied models first alternating between the two players obviously as i had uh, more models i had an advantage where i might have four readied models whereas rich only had one mm-hmm. so yeah. it meant i got three essentially three extra turns to shoot yep. with my models at rich's depleted force let's just put it that way yeah and what's interesting that they've added in that's different is when a wound when his model is wounded or fails its save or whatever, it's not necessarily out as a casualty. You've got this thing that they've introduced, it's kind of like a throwback to Necromunda, etc., is the injury roll. So it's a 50-50 roll, whether a model is out of action or not, after it's been wounded, after it's taken a wound. It's very good as well, because it's a 50-50 roll for everyone. Yeah, this was a big discussion point between the two of us. Despite the fact my guys are space marines, once they're wounded, they're as equally likely to get taken out of action as the Scions, to kind of introduce an element of balancing to the game it also gives a bit of vulnerability to space marines yes i guess there is a danger in these small skirmish place games where space marines found it with shadow wars armageddon that space marines were just overpowered compared to other armies whereas kill team has done a uh, it's done in a very good way that space marines although are scary if uh, we'll move on to their special rule in a second, they are likely to die if you shoot at them. Yeah, and I mean, uh, with the injury roll, if you take them out of action, they're obviously removed as a casualty. If you fail, they suffer what's called a flesh wound. So that is a basically a marker that you put next to the model, and it's a minus one to most of the game checks, you know, rolls to hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a minus one to a lot of your rolls. Um, 
And on top of that, it applies a modifier during the next injury roll. So the more flesh wounds you have, the more likely you are to get taken out of action the next time you're hurt. Mm -hmm. However, space marines have transhuman physiology, which lets them ignore the first minus one from a flesh wound. Doesn't doesn't sound like a lot, but it really came into play and it was very frustrating (laughs) at some points. Yeah, I mean, because the game introduces a lot of modifiers to hit rolls. So this cover gives you a minus one to be hit. Uh, Shooting at long range gives you minus one to be hit. Shooting through cover as well. Yeah, so, I mean, Space Marines, as soon as they're injured, ignore that first one. Whereas as soon as the Scions were injured, suddenly they were suffering like minus three to their hit rolls at long range, whereas the Space Marines did didn't get that so that that extra getting a bit math hammery 17 percent i think it works out to be per modifier you know that's a big extra in the space marines favor lets them be a little bit more durable um during the fight as they should be because they're space marines and it's a good way of balancing it because they do they still do have that 50 50 50 50 roll of they're going to get taken out on a four up they're dead but because of the flesh wound if they do just take a flesh wound on a one two or three on the injury roll they carry on as normal. Yeah, which is a nice little way of just representing them shrugging it off. However, we learned very quickly when they're using my shotguns at short range, our damage two, um, that that above damage one weapons are very powerful because the rules are that you roll a dice equal to the damage when doing the injury roll. So shotguns do two dice, pick the highest for taking people out of action. Yeah, that, that was very uh, clear, actually. Higher damage weapons are better yes. than doing more wounds. Yes. So uh, you take, like Rich said, you do the number of injury rolls based on the damage and not mm-hmm. if you've lost five wounds and you've only got one wound left, you don't do an extra four injury rolls because that's it's right. damage one weapon. And that's kind of the balancing act. Like Dave was horrified by my frag cannon when I first said it's basically the same as a 40k frag cannon. It's ridiculous. It does 2d6 shots, they auto-hit, and it's strength 6, AP minus 1. So it's going to pile on the... In in 40k, you can kill half a unit with one. In this, I hit one guy, and he took like seven wounds. A scion is basically a guy in slightly heavier armour. He did not stand a chance. (laughs) No, but to balance that out, I did like seven wounds to the guy, I still made one injury roll. Yes, yeah, because it's a damage one weapon. Yep. So it kind of it kind of introduces a bit of balance to those high volumes. It was the same with the volley gun. Your volley gun fires four shots. Mm-hmm. It just gives you more chance of injuring your opponent rather than guaranteeing to take them out of action, which I like. However, you get hit by something like a las cannon, if that's even in the game. I have no idea if anyone can take a las cannon. You're done for. Yeah. Well, the, the heavy thunder hammer from uh, Death Watch. Uh, if they roll a six to wound, it does a flat six damage. You're going to be taken out of action. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know, have you seen my rolls? That's true. But, I mean, we felt like each army that we were playing with had a strength and a weakness. You know, Dave's guys felt very fragile when they started to get injured because there's minus modifiers. My guys felt like they could chin a bit of early damage. But then the opposite started to roll in once I took a couple of casualties because it's is 50-50. Once I took three casualties, half my force was gone and suddenly it felt like that was a good kind of check and balance on, on the game as we played it. And your extra numbers came to play when I when I lost one or two guys. Mm. Yeah, I also had orders. So the um, Scions aren't their own separate faction. Uh, it's not the Militarum Tempestus. It's actually the Astra Militarum. So they are part of the Imperial Guards uh, faction. Uh, so you get orders. The orders were very good. I didn't use them as much as I should have done, I think. I sort of uh, went a bit willy-nilly. I didn't think about orders when I was doing my turn. Um, however, yeah, the, the weight of numbers, because my guys are cheaper, naturally, um, really proved the difference in, well, one of the games. 
Mm. And the, the other thing it differs from 40k is the morale system. Mm. So when, at the end of the turn, if your guys are injured, they've got a flesh wound, um, you have to roll for each of them to see if they kind of lose their nerve. So the first thing that happens to them is they get a marker that makes them stunned, I think it was, or something. They can't act for the turn, basically, and then, then they get a chance to get rid of that at the end of the turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you uh, take half of your army is uh, injured or out stunned, of the game, yeah. you take a bottle test. And you roll a leadership test every turn, and then at some point, if you fail, um, either usually it ends the mission, and that that role is again modified by the number of guys that are taken out of action. So as your as your force starts to get whittled down, you're more and more likely to bottle it and run, um, and and then therefore end the mission. So the games are over actually pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, we played for what three hours, and we managed to get two games in quite easily i reckon we could have got at least three maybe even four if we'd known the game and we'd started straight away and we'd we'd sort of run through the different turns quite quickly because it is action from the get-go yeah our second game was 40 minutes long and we were still checking rules and things i reckon if we knew what we were doing you could get a game in in 30 minutes easily really really good and felt very intense because it's strategy and action from like you say the get-go it's very cinematic as well because it's on such a small board and you have it's really good to have a lot of terrain features uh, including the open door that rich never gets to use in a game of 40k finally got to use it in kill team <laughs> and then it actually hindered him and i got, he couldn't shoot down the alleyway <laughs> i got so excited that my sector mechanicus vats had been i built them with the doors open and i thought i'm gonna use that for cover one day never comes up in 40k i was like yes kill team's gonna be the one and it got completely in my way <laughs> But, I mean, we, we really love the game. Um, it's fast-paced, it's fun, and, uh, I mean, everybody can use models from their army to play Kill Team. You've only got to get a copy of the rules, and you will have something in your collection that you can easily use to get into Kill Team. Give it a try, and, um, yeah, if you like it, you can get really creative from there on in. Yeah, so, it's a thumbs up from us. Yeah, big thumbs up, and uh, we did this in prep for the upcoming campaign that our friend is running when he pulls his finger out. So uh, Ooh, look forward, <laughs> look forward to more Kill Team content coming. Certainly. Right, shall we do a little preview of what's coming down the line for Warhammer Fest next week, Dave? Sure. Right, so we are going to Warhammer Fest on the Sunday, which I think we mentioned before. So it is media blackout for us on the Saturday. The benefit for me is I'm actually flying on the Saturday, so I'm on holiday for the week. I know. Uh, So there won't be any hobby progress from me next week. Shocking! (laughs) I'm saying it now. This is this is even pre-episode. But I think we're going to be doing a, a Warhammer Fest special anyway. Yeah, the next episode we do will be uh, a rundown of everything Warhammer Fest related. Uh, we have collared Nick from Old Average Brick Gaming to join us. So you'll get to listen to the three of us uh, spew just how excited we are about uh, coming down from the Warhammer Fest thrill. Oh yeah, it's, li- well, it's literally, the, it's day literally the day after. So Sunday, the downside, as I mentioned... All the releases will come out on the Saturday. Uh, they do the same releases, ac- they do the same release news across both days, but they spoil it all on the Warhammer community webpage. Then obviously everybody we know in our gaming groups will put it on Facebook and Instagram and you won't be able to move without finding out what's happened. So blackout. But the plus side, we do get to see all the golden demon entries. Well, the benefit of also not seeing the releases on the Saturday is you get to see them in person. So they, oh, yeah. they tease them on the Saturday and they tend to have the models on the Sunday or that's what they've done yeah. for the last two two years so um we had the benefit of actually seeing stuff like uh, adeptus titanicus in action the soul wars stuff i think or the black coach and things like that was all actually physically there and painted yeah it was the black black coach 
uh, was the one that the stood ghosties. out to me. That was that was incredible. But uh, yeah, so we are going on the Sunday. Uh, like you said, Golden Demon. Does that mean you're going to go and look at the Youngbloods category and cry, Dave, that oh, a, a 14 yeah. year old is uh, somewhere significantly They're above you? Almost as good as me. I know it's. it's, <laughs> it's it's uh it's ridiculous how good some of them are my favorite category has always been the dual category yeah so we can go and see what people have been uh mm-hmm. people are putting forward for that so some speculation on what we think we might see so as we mentioned before we love talking to the design team um so we will be yabbering with them about all the cool design stuff they've been doing over the last year especially hopefully some form of extra special preview for Sisters of Battle. Yeah, I mean... Crossing they, everything. They, they, they've been teasing them on the Warhammer community website with the Sisters Bulletin, and I hope that they are saving something big for Warhammer Fest, or like a, at least a date or something, maybe. Just saying, yeah, like, something. October. There you go. Lose That's their a minds. wild speculation, October. <laughs> uh, no, you need something. September Sisters, maybe? September? No, that sounds unpleasant. <laughs> Let's not go with that. <laughs> Dismember. Yeah, I, I am hoping for Plastic Sisters. News, yeah. Something will yeah, be good. News, yeah. We know it's coming, don't yeah. you? There you go. There's my wild speculation, Plastic Sisters. There stuff. we go. <laughs> Calm down, mate. Yeah. There's got to be some kind of big announcement, though. I mean, also, what's all this stuff they've been putting out there with the painting things that are coming down the line, right? First, we had the Fifty Shades of Grey trailer ripoff, which was <laughs> hilarious with the Fifty Sprues of Grey. Oh, yeah. Or Shelves of Grey, wasn't it? Because especially Fifty Sprues of Grey was the meme online. <laughs> then we've had this Matrix. Matrix take, which was brilliant. Peachy as Morpheus. If you haven't amazing. seen that, please go and look at it. It's genius. <laughs> Free your models, that's what it's called. So what are they doing with regards to painting? I'm hoping it's... They're getting rid of the paint pots that the paint's currently come in, because they are... Crap. Our most mundane post on Instagram <laughs> has actually generated the most reaction. It was Rich getting all the crap out of the lids of his paint pots. I just had enough when one wouldn't close and I just and, lost it. Yeah, and uh, you triggered half the community. There was there was a good 50 comments on this Instagram post. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. But what are they doing? There's something to do with painting, whether it's they're adding a new type of paint or... New brush range painting. Maybe they're just revitalising the whole range because there are a whole bunch of the paints that are a bit of a pain in the ass to use. So maybe a whole load of new colours are coming. Who knows, right? Something cool's coming, though, with regards to painting. I am looking forward to it. However... What we don't know is coming down the line. There's got to be something special. Last year they announced Soul Wars and uh, what do you want to call it? Age of Sigma 2.0. Yeah, all that, big that was announcement. Big they dropped thing, yeah. that. No one saw it coming. Bang! There it was. What's it going to be this year, Dave? What are our wild speculations on what to expect from Warhammer Fest this year? You go first with your first wild speculation. I'm going out there with this one. This has got zero rumours going around with it. Plastic Eldar aspect oh, kits. Oh come on, that's that's there every year. Do you, Come on, Dave, it's going to happen. Do you reckon? No. I mean, yeah. Imagine if they did, though. Like, the whole building would lose its in one go. Like, <laughs> they said, and here are plastic striker scorpions and howling banshees. And do you know what I mean? Like, it would be pretty out there. So, yeah, I, I, could, I could see it happening. Uh, what might happen, but I don't think it will happen. But it's a wild speculation. A new 40k faction. Brand new faction? A brand new faction. No. Yes. I think so. Oh, that's bold. I, th- I what are they going to be? Fishmen, Nurse Tau. No, I th- I think it'll be some sort of uh, it'll be a technological race. Okay. Or or get wilder. Go for it. Or crew as a separate faction. No, <laughs> get lost. <laughs> Not a chance. Wild speculation. Uh, no. I think my friend Paul would have a hernia if they no, no, I, I think I think a new faction. I think. A, 
it's it's time. Ooh, bold. It's time for a new faction. Saying that, actually, talking about it in my head, they might use that as the sisters. Yeah, I guess, they, I guess they, the sisters will be pretty much a new faction. They might send them in a completely new direction. We don't really know what's going to happen with them yet. Well, so new, new models for them. Yeah, new, all new, new models, units. and they might make them play differently, not just more Imperials. So yeah. it'd be interesting. Less wild speculation, but still absolutely nothing vaguely hinted at by GW. I reckon Fulgrim is the next Demon Primarch. I've kind of had a hint on it from various sources. This has had some traction on the it's internet. It's had some traction on the internet, which means it's either guaranteed or utter bullshit. So yeah. you choose which side of the fence you want to sit it's, on. It's flip a coin. I, I think that's fairly reasonable. Do I you? Mean, the only thing that doesn't make me think it's reasonable, and I'll tell you why I think it's fairly reasonable. They bought out Guliman. They bought out Kalgar. They bought out Baden. It's time for a big... Big chaos guy. Big chaos guy. And what better than the guy who put Guliman away in the first place? So Exactly. That would be pretty good. Oh, and they've just released a whole load of Slanesh stuff. Oh, oh, hello. Hello. Right, let's see what happens. But um, bring it down a little bit more to reality. I'm just going to say close combat Primaris Marines. So this is no longer wild speculation. This is just medium speculation. We're, we're, totally, we're totally, is, winding it is, down now. This might be fairly likely. Yeah. <laughs> close combat, what, so like Assault Marine Primaris? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I could see that happening. They need it, in theory. Need, in air quotes. Do you know they need more than that, though, Dave? Well, uh, let me let me go with mine first. All right. Don't don't jump the gum. Linked to your uh, Primaris question, how wild is it that they get rid of tactical marines? Oh, it's too wild. Oh, stop. It's too wild. They'd upset way too much of their fan base with that. They they'd upset way too much of their fan base to cut a current plastic line completely. They have made them unplayable. <laughs> Which is about as good as it. <laughs> they have virtually cut them. So they've, 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 not they've, physically. They've, they've sitting in the safe spot of not saying, no, you can't play with your space marines, but making them not competitive enough that people don't play with them. So take from that what you will. I don't think they'll cut them. I think that would be a terrible PR move from them. What about upgrading them so they're a bit more? No, they want people to use Primaris. They're just going to let them linger. You reckon? Yeah. Just stagnate. Yep. Yeah, well, I, I suppose the, the issue would be that they'd have also have to upgrade all, like, the vehicle sprues with new, uh, bigger. Yeah, I mean, it's just not going to work. I mean, the telltale will be when tactical squads go online-only order, that's when GW have kind of had enough with Space Marines. Let's wait and see. Yeah. Terminator revamp, maybe? The kit's getting pretty old, and the Chaos Terminators look so good. Yep. But um, whether that'll be something they focus on again, then they're really supporting an existing existing plastic line. What about Primaris Terminators? Hmm. Like is Aggressors that, Plus Plus. Is that stepping on too many toes? I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think they, they're f- uh, flooding the market with uh, Space, uh, Space Marine versus Primaris. I think I think there is too many... There's getting to be too many crossovers. Um, so I don't think they'd have... Primaris Terminators, because um, that's essentially what Centurions are almost. Who uses what, those, happen- what happens to the Centurions? Man, bring them back. Make Centurions great again. <laughs> <laughs> and the, I guess this leads us to the least wild of all speculations: uh, announcement of a new Space Marine Codex. One's got to come out this year. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is fairly likely. Is it fest worthy, or do people just know it's going to come out anyway? Age of Sigmar 2.0 is big, is massive. A new Space Marine Codex would be massive. No, it wouldn't. 
I think so. It's something that no one expected Age of Sigmar 2.0, and bang, it caught everyone off guard. Everyone knows a new Space Marine Codex is coming, because they just have to get one. So you're going for, oh, speculation. Hmm. So my wild speculation pick is Plastic Eldar Aspect Warriors. Go. What's your one pick? Come on. Something, something crazy. Something crazy. A whole new faction, right? Because that's out there. Yeah. I, I think a whole new faction. I think it's going to be technology based, uh, sort of halfway between Tau and Necrons. All right. So Xenos, Xenos possibly. Let's see what we get. Right. Moving on to our last conversation topic, the, uh, the most recently dropped FAQ. Yes. So yesterday actually hit us with the spring FAQ, uh, Finally. Spring, so they, not they, April FAQ. Or not March yes. FAQ that it was last time. March FAQ. This time it's the spring. Yeah, they learned from their mistakes on that one. If we are looking at it, not a lot has changed. There's not a huge number of overhauls. We got a lot of... Um, clarifications. Clarifications. Beta rules actually put forward as formal match play um, rules. Do you want to just run through those ones? Yeah, so they officially inducted uh, Bolter Discipline. Yeah, um, that's the double the shots if you haven't moved half range. Yeah, only for Astartes units, though. And so, rapid-fire bolts, bolt weapons. Yeah, so they've, they've introduced it for Astartes, um, but you don't get it for your Sisters of Silence and other things that have bolt gun weaponry, and you don't get it when you fire special ammunition for your Death Watch to keep things balanced. Mm. They don't want long-range four-shot Storm Bolters with the broken rules that you can get through <laughs> Death Watch. Tactical Reserves got implemented as a full rule, so that is the restrictions on deep striking. Yep, it's now official. Yep, and then then, then the turn two uh, onwards, etc. Restrictions that we've we've seen modified over the last year to and fro. Tactical Restraint has been slightly modified and finalised now to make sure you can only get one command point back every battle round. Yep, unless otherwise stated. Yes, that's true, and include that includes now psychic powers and things that give you command points back as well. Apparently, yeah, uh, they they say you can get multiple command points back if you spent multiple command points on that stratagem. Though. Okay, and prepared positions got formally inducted as well. So your two command points to put your whole army in cover at the start of uh, the turn if you are the second player. However, it no longer affects flying vehicles because they'd missed that one out previously. So people's supersonic fighters were getting cover saves, which is a little which, weird. Yeah, there's a bit. They're, yeah. they're not exactly uh, hunkering down. No, so they, they've, they've inducted all of those formally, which is great. So they are now match play rules that we can all use in every, every one of our games. But then you and I were using them anyway because it's great to use all the beta stuff and see how it's going to work out. Exactly. But moving on to what has actually changed. So you've put down... The fly rule has been fixed. Yes. So the fly rule before had a few issues with wording and uh, especially going up and down levels. Yeah, and the fact that you lost access to flying when you weren't in the movement phase, so you couldn't assault and fly at the same time, despite the fact that you're a jet bike or wearing a hollow belt for Harlequins, etc., etc. You kind of it felt like it didn't quite they were trying to fix people taking the piss with with deep striking high up in terrain and jumping down they kind of nerfed people on um actual legitimate charges over over intervening obstacles etc yeah i mean flip belts jumping through a first floor building as they as they like fly through the air is cool but it wasn't represented in the rules. They'd have to move six and then go up three and they couldn't actually do it. Yeah, and they lost the ability to cross over troops and things like that that were in their way. And now yeah. they've got that back again as it should be. Yep, exactly. And one more thing connected to fly. They've actually introduced the aircraft keyword. Uh, so there is a difference between uh, vehicles with fly and aircraft now. Yes, that's true. There was a, it, they Again, some more loopholes and, and, and gaps to patch up. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they've introduced some tax for knights. Uh, second round of this, actually, with stratagems going up. Good. Yep, rotate iron shields has been capped now that it can't give you more than a 4 plus invun save, which as a mm-hmm. recent user of that stratagem is fair. It's it's very fair. I mean, something that big with that many wounds with a 3 up invun was just not fun for anyone. No, it's not good. Um and they've made it cost 3 command points for the dominus class, which is the big the big boys. Yeah. Damn straight. <laughs> yeah, no, it feels fair. And um they've also put the price of castellans up as well. So they put up the Volcano Lance, I think it was the Volcano Lance and the Plasma Destructor. Uh, something like that, but yeah, but it's, it's the actual so. weapons that have gone up, yes. Weapons have gone up, so the model's gone up, and 100 points is quite a lot. It's a 600-point model, gone up to a 700-point model now, so um, yeah, hopefully they're just trying to trim overuse, basically. Um, Gene Steeler Cult's Mental Onslaught Psychic Power is now fixed. I so guess. this one you've got to explain to me because I'm not so, sure what happens. You cast it on a unit. You do a leadership roll-off with that unit. Um, if the Gene Stealer player wins, uh, that unit takes a mortal wound and you roll again. Okay, you yeah, keep going very much like the Mirror Minds Harlequin one. Yeah, except if you cast it on, say, a vehicle with leadership 6 um, or 5 or 6, something on your leadership 10... Um, they can't beat you or something like that. There's a situation basically where the Gene Steeler player could auto-remove an entire unit or an entire model because uh, just by casting it because of the leadership yeah. difficulties. Now, as long as the defending player rolls a six, it ends the power. Okay. So you've yep. got a chance of stopping it before it strips 12 wounds off something or ridiculous like that. There are some situations where that can happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can just easily modify a vehicle's leadership down and they just have it annihilated by this power, so they've stopped that. And the craft world psychic powers are fixed so that they no longer can be applied to the Drukhari. Yeah, there was a bit, there was a bit of an Eldari keyword crossover. Wasn't yeah, there? they can like, um, enhance and guide them and stuff like that. Now they can only chart, they can only target Codex Eldar. And I think the Harlequins can still be targeted, but I'm not entirely sure. But the idea was to rule out the Drukhari so that uh, units that don't believe in the abilities of Psychers uh, don't get affected positively by Psychers. Mm. So, those are the important changes, Dave. But are they really the important changes? Or are there more important changes that GW managed to catch? This is a, uh, a world's first premiere of Rich's Top 5. It is, yes. So, my top five most important changes on why the hell did we need this FAQ in the first place? In no particular order, and Dave hasn't seen these. <laughs> rule, rule, rule change number one. Bases can now no longer be over the edge of the table while the model uh, is in play. This was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I can understand someone new to the game. It's not completely clarified. Two people playing for the first time, they don't quite understand that bases can't go over the edge of the game but people were actually using this and abusing this Uh, there was no rule that said that it was it couldn't be uh, over the edge of the the gaming area area of play yeah yeah number two you can no longer charge after you are forced to disembark from your vehicle when it's blown up by overwatch on the unit you declared a charge against see this was this was ridiculous (laughs) i could see if uh like a harlequin speeder was crashing down and they all like flip out and then charge into the unit but like some terminator crawling out the wreckage of a blown up land raider is not going to like spring into action and like suddenly charge charge into the enemy lines it was uh, it was yeah the issue was a wounded transport vehicle containing a close combat unit would issue a charge against every single enemy unit within 12 Causing them to overwatch. Causing maximum yeah. overwatch, getting blown up, adding three inches to the disembark movement, basically making your charge three inches shorter. Utter bull****. <laughs> I'm glad they cut that out. 
Also, another one we don't want to forget. You can no longer block enemy ground units from moving with placement of your supersonic jet fighters. What? <laughs> People were deliberately using vehicles that have the supersonic rule right. uh, and moving them so that they would use them to basically block off enemy movements because they couldn't move through, in, or around the uh, supersonic jet fighters that are flying, I don't know, hundreds of metres off the ground. Yeah, but we all know uh, when it comes to 40k, all jet fighters move and then stop, and then move and then stop, so... Uh, uh, Shall I just move swiftly on, Dave? Yeah, I'm sure you could have moved across the base, but I I guess if it's not written, it's not written. Yep. You can't move within an inch of it unless you're charging it, which means that you're not allowed to move past it. People... Number four, a repeat offender for the FAQ uh, nerfing here. Oh, no. Armorium Cherubs no longer let you (laughs) fire double shots. They didn't finish it again. (laughs) It's the Armorium Cherubs all over again, mate. You're no longer now allowed to fire two shots of your flak or hellfire missiles used only from a stratagem by allowing the Cherub to re-roll the missile launcher that fired the flak missile. (laughs) (laughs) They've FAQ'd it so that you now have to spend the... Stratagem on the second flak missile shot if you want to fire another flak missile. Right, okay. Which you can't do in match play. Right, okay. That's that cherub, mate, is ruining just, everything. Just r- remove it. Now you can't bring him back from an Arthur Now you can't <laughs> reload weapons with him. It's crazy. Bring him back. <laughs> it's Arthur Seam. <laughs> Space Marines died on the floor. Now the apothecary's got the cherub up. <laughs> and very importantly, this one's going to blow your mind. Number five, a Devastator Sergeant can now no longer use his signum to boost the ballistic skill of a model that's being removed as a casualty and firing his weapon because of the effect of the Astartes banner. Nice, nice. <laughs> because somebody actually did that. <laughs> it says when the model shoots, once per turn when the, model sh- when the unit shoots, a model may benefit from the signum rule, Dave. Yep. Now it can't. Now, when the heroic space marine who looks at the banner of his brothers and fires off that one last shot in defiance can no longer be accurately directed by the sergeant <laughs> by telling him how to locate the weak points of the enemy vehicles. Oh, no. Well, yeah, I, could, I can see how that has been misinterpreted. <laughs> can but... you really? <laughs> Come on. Oh, dear. Just, uh, mm, people. People. It's just people, isn't it? But, I mean, the spring FAQ is one thing, but we all know that the September FAQ is referred to as the big FAQ. Mm. What do you think are the five most important rules changes we need to see for the big FAQ? Uh, I, 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 limits, I, I, limits to soups, it's got to be. Are you sure? Because that sounds sensible, Dave. Oh, you're, you're not asking me a question. You're not thinking about things from the right level. Oh, are you doing two top fives? This is another top five of things we must have <laughs> right, all right. No for the place. September no FAQ. <laughs> <laughs> Request number one. GW need to formally define the allowable numbers on each face of a D6... Because currently I'm allowed to roll a dice for my morale test that is all ones. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess that is right. Request number two. GW need to state the acceptable materials list that be, may be used to manufacture a tape measure. Currently a tape measure which is printed on elastic would be allowable under the current rule system. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> Just stretch it out so you get more centimetres. It says five centimetres, mate. It's half the board. Yep. GW need to crack down on this. Request number three. GW need to give us firm definition of what non-gaming relatable items are allowed on the table, <laughs> such as glasses of water. <laughs> or beers, in my case. <laughs> Warhammer World has different uh, different rules, though. Yes, surely. it's true. Surely. 
<laughs> if you're in a courtyard, in an indoor courtyard, you're allowed beer. Request number four. GW need to introduce a formal chest-style rule so that once a model has been moved, has been let go of, you can no longer move it back to where it originally was. Oh, God. I could, I could actually see them doing this. <laughs> I could see them going, yeah, in match play, you're not allowed to touch it again. <laughs> Request number five. Request number five. GW need to make an editorial correction to the Dark Angels Codex. All data slates do not contain the chaos keyword. Nice. <laughs> nice. I would fully back that one. Oh, so you're on that side of the argument, are you, Dave? Oh, yeah. Well, there's actually a story about uh, the uh, Dark Angels actually blew up a Black Templar ship after they discovered former members. Is that just because they're wearing black armour? Because that's kind of not cool. <laughs> no. Oh dear. Right, shall we move swiftly onwards to the hobby tip section and round this one off? Please do. Right, so enough of that nonsense. Let's get on to something a little bit more factually based. There's me thinking you're doing something serious for. (laughs) (laughs) No, so, hobby tip. Right, so, I am going to go through how I've done some homemade mould making. Right, I saw this uh, the other day, actually, when I was around your house. It looks really good. Yeah, so how do you do your own home mo- homemade mould-making and casting on a very small budget without going overboard? So, this was actually inspired by um, an Instagram post by someone we follow, uh, at Nurgle or Die Trying on um, Instagram. He bought some stuff called Blue Stuff, which is like a heatable plastic that you can squelt, heat up, become soft and pliable. You squelch it onto what you want to make a mould of. And you can make copies with green stuff. Stuff he did looks really, really good. But I wanted to make bases for my knights from the Sector Mechanicus uh, flooring tiles. Mm-hmm. Turns out to buy that much blue stuff to cover an entire flooring tile will cost me a small fortune. Right. Um, okay. So, of course, I'm a cheapskate. So, to the internet to figure out how to make my own moulds. Now... We're friends with Ian, who runs White Shark Gaming Studios, who makes his own... I mentioned the barrels before, but he does bases and busts and all sorts of things using silicon moulds. He's the man to go to in the local area for those. He definitely is, and he knows what he's doing, but he uses RTV silicon, which is room temperature vulcanising silicon. Yes. A kilo of that stuff is like 25 quid, which is why resin things cost so much money, because the (laughs) materials are not cheap. Um, I looked up how to make my own mould for about... Two quid for this. So <laughs> two quid. Here we go. Things you need: some form of plastic board, a, a, a knackered old chopping board would do, or okay. any piece of flat plastic that you can use to assemble the whole thing on because it doesn't stick to the plastic. You need to buy general purpose silicon, like bathroom sealant. Yes, but it needs to be the clear stuff. So the clear silicon, not the white bathroom sealant you put around your bath. Clear. Yep. General purpose silicon sealant. I bought mine from Screwfix in the UK. It was about three pounds for the tube. And you get like so you're already over your two pound budget. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't use the whole tube, Dave. Oh, uh, okay. So that, are we? I squirted a load of this into a plastic, I know, recycled food container or something like that from the kitchen. Yep. I think I used about two thirds of the tube for this. So it's about two pounds worth of silicon material. Oh wow! So you did everything else for free? <laughs> yeah, because I went into the kitchen and got some cornstarch or corn flour. So the problem with silicon bathroom sealant is, I mean, you've used it in your bathroom. It is incredibly sticky yeah. and loose and it just gets everywhere and doesn't really form a, a usable shape. So the idea is you mix in the cornstarch and the flour to take away the tackiness and stickiness and okay. let it be pliable that you can use it. And you also need food colouring. This is because 
the silicon cures on a water-activated curing process, so mixing in some water with it helps start that process up rather than having to wait for the edges that are exposed and it takes forever to set. And the colour helps you see that you've thoroughly mixed everything together well. Because otherwise, clear silicon sealant, it's very difficult to see how well you've mixed it up. By introducing a colour, once it's a uniform colour, you know you've mixed it properly. Okay. So, you glue down the items you want to copy onto the plastic board or double tape, double-sided tape, tape them down, or something just to hold them in place. So I did this with the Sector Mechanicus tile and a couple of um, lids from the vats. Um, you, make, you can make a mould box around it to hold all the silicon in place, but this stuff doesn't run when you mix it, so you don't actually have to make a box around it if you don't want to. If you do, use some Lego, because it peels off and you can build it into the right shape. Okay, good tip. Then what you do is you mix up the silicon in the box with, in the, in the pot with the food colouring until you get a consistent colour. And then you start adding the cornstarch and mixing it in until it kind of doesn't soak up any more of the cornstarch. Right. And you've got this kind of opaque, quite firmish paste. Um, and then you're ready to go. So what I do is I applied it on top of the pieces that I've put down and I used a popsicle stick to kind of push the moulding material into all the crooks and crevices and there's quite a lot on those Sexton Mechanicus tiles um, and you need to push it down push it down and try and get all the air bubbles out because you don't want an air bubble to form yeah. if you had a disposable cheap brush like a house paint brush that you've used a couple of times and don't want anymore you could use that to jab the silicon down into the gaps once you've kind of got a thin layer that's jabbed down into all the recesses, you smear more over the top to make the body of the mould. So you've okay. got the detail captured, then you've got to make the body of the mould. And what I did was I put a couple of blocks of random bits of wood that I had down that were slightly thicker than the thing I was trying to cast. I sort of dotted them around and then put a flat board on top to form a nice flat surface on the top of the mould. Because when you cast it, you're casting it, you flip it upside down to cast it. You need a nice flat bottom so your mould isn't rocking around. If you've got the Lego bricks there, again, that'll give you a surface you could put a flat top onto and then leave the whole thing to set for 24 hours. The stuff stinks. So do it in a spare room with a window open or a bathroom with a window open or a garage um, because you get that kind of vinegary smell that the sealant sealant, has. It's horrible. You don't want that in the house. I've gone back to it now after having set it for 24 hours. Everything peeled off perfectly fine. The flat bottom is there on the mould because I put a board on top with some blocks. Um, and tonight, uh, before coming here, I mixed up some plaster. You could use plaster of Paris, but I used like casting plaster that's used to make like building casting parts. So I'm thinking like ceiling roses and cornices and things like that. Um, mixed that and poured it in and le- left it to set. So when I get home, I'll figure out whether it's actually worked or not. Okay. But I mean, I looked at the mould. I would say I've captured 95% of the detail. So uh, the RTV silicon stuff will get 100% of the detail. I mean, but it's it will... perfect for bases. I mean, yeah, exactly. That's what it's, that's what it's going to be for. This would have cost me a fortune to cast it out of silicon. I've made a, a, a cheap copy out of a couple of quid, and it's uh, come out pretty good. So you cast it with plaster, or you can buy resin if you want to make a whole load of them, um, of copies, and, uh, yeah, knock out some uh, some duplicates. Brilliant. Don't copy whole models. That's not cool. <laughs> cool. So that's all we've got time for. So, as I said at the top of the show, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Floorhammer Podcast, our website, floorhammerpodcast.com, and our Instagram at floorhammer underscore podcast. And obviously, check out our Teespring page as well for merchandise. Cheers for listening, guys. See you next time. Speak to you next episode. <laughs>